Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe, and while Ashley is not joining me today, I do have a very special guest joining me for this week's episode. Carly Fortune is returning to Read It or List It to tell us all about her second novel, Meet Me at the Lake, which is another summery second chance romance set in lake country in Canada. You know, if you are an avid listener, how much I loved Every Summer After, Carly's debut novel from summer 2022, and also just how much I love Carly as a person. I am thrilled to welcome her back to the show, and I hope you enjoy my interview with her. I'm so excited to welcome back Carly Fortune to Read It or List It. If you listened at any point within the last year, you know I've talked about Every Summer After a million times, and we are here to chat about book two, which is not a sequel, but Carly's sophomore novel, Meet Me at the Lake. Welcome, Carly. I'm so excited to have you back. Hi, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Now, I think... You, more than any other author, have gotten fielded requests for a sequel for your debut novel, mostly from the perspective of Charlie. And while this book has a similar setting, we're still in the cottage country of Eastern Canada. Um, it takes place in, it's it's different from Barry's Bay. Yeah, so yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about me, me like every uh, author's favorite question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, so Meet Me at the Lake is, you know, it's another summary love story. This book is about Fern and Will who meet when they're in their early 20s. They've just um, graduated from school. And so they're at that stage of life where they're where they're just kind of launching into their futures. And they um, meet as strangers. They have this chance encounter that brings them together. And they end up spending um, an entire day together in the city, talking and walking and sharing their secrets and um, talking about their kind of hopes and dreams for the future, making plans. They just have this incredible connection. And they make a pact to meet a year later at um, the lakeside resort that Fern's family, Fern's mom owns. And Fern shows up and Will does not. And uh, cut forward into the future. Um, it's 10 years since they spent that day together. Fern has, has never seen him since. Um, and she is back at home running the resort. And it's becoming um, she, it's something she never wanted to do. Her mother has passed away um, quite suddenly. And uh, she is discovering that the resort is um, in at, at least a little bit of trouble, maybe a lot of trouble. Um, her ex-boyfriend is the manager there. So it's this kind of tricky situation um, that she's navigating through her grief. And then one day in walks Will, this guy from her past with a very surprising offer to help. And he is very different from the person that she met all the, those years ago. He was this like young idealistic artist and now he's this like slick business guy and she's not sure if she can trust him and her heart's a little bit like, there's still like a little bit of tenderness from yeah. when he ghosted her. Um, even though she doesn't want to feel <laughs> banged up about it, she she does. And uh, 
it's really, you know, you see them kind of navigating, kind of dancing around each other. And it's told, you know, like every summer after, it's told in now and then timelines. So in the past, you spend that 24 hours with Will and Fern um, in the city. And in the present day, you're with them in through a, through a summer at the resort. And so you're kind of meeting the cast of characters there. And I think it's just a really, it's a really... Um, I keep using the word tender. I think that's yeah. a, a very accurate adjective to give it. It's very tender. It's very quiet. I use that word a lot to describe like like Emily Henry's books. They have this like quietness to them that like I feel like some people don't always understand like what's happening or like these people need to go to therapy. Like what's going on? But there's just this like through line of like the internal dialogue that if you like the girls that get it get it I guess (laughs) yeah it's it's soft like I feel that the cover really does a great job which are two it's a a painting two people sitting on a dock at kind of sunset and um the female figure has her head on his shoulder and it just feels like this moment the cover feels like like a this relaxing moment at the end Mm -hmm. of the day like I'd like kind of like that you know that Oh, sigh and I feel like it to me it just captures the feeling of the book so well yes I definitely agree I, I keep looking down at my copy right here <laughs> um, <laughs> another stunning gorgeous cover before we started recording we were talking about Elizabeth Lenny Carly's cover artist for her first yeah. two books hopefully for the rest of them um because it's such a distinct style and yeah um something that I would very proudly display in my office. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful the art department at Berkeley found uh, Elizabeth. And um, I just, I'm just, I just, lo- I love her paint, her work and I love the covers and I think um, they're so special. Yeah. They're so sophisticated and whimsical, but also very um, tender. If we keep coming back to that yes. word, they, they're, yeah. they, they're they evocative. Evoke- Yes, they they yes. evoke a lot of strong feelings, I think. Um, highly recommend checking out her Instagram or her website um, if you love these covers. But getting back to the characters in Meet Me at the Lake, I have to say, you craft some really great side characters because you Thank had you. me torn between Jamie and Will at points. Oh. And I was like... <laughs> Jamie is like, he's such a college boyfriend. Like, he's such a... Like he's goofy, he's confident, he's like very different from Fern. Yes. You can see what like attracted them to him. I love that he didn't really turn into like a sleazy jerk. Like I feel like he could have, but you just realize that, you know, people come into our lives for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And he served a purpose for Fern, but he wasn't her forever. So I, I, I'm just saying I may, he may become the Charlie of the book where everyone's like, wait, I loved him. (laughs) Yes, I um I love Jamie too and his character kept um his role in the book and his character just kept growing with every draft. I one of my editors really liked Jamie, so there are certain parts she was like, what about a little bit more Jamie here? And <laughs> um because originally he was not an ex. Um originally he like did not come into play at all in the past timeline. Um so he he really grew and there I just loved writing him. Like I mm-hmm. loved writing him. I love writing side characters. They're they're really fun for me. And I the thing I loved about writing um Jamie and 
burn. I like it, it is um the book tells their love story. It's just not their romance. It's right. you know, you see kind of how their relationship blossomed and why he was so important to her. And 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 then, you know, it's it's it does fall apart. And, you know, many relationships that when we meet people when we're teenagers and move away and move on that happens and I I I thought it was um I liked I liked looking at that yeah I I mean I think I he he made me feel very um nostalgic because him spending the summers at the resort working and like loving it so much and then he was a ski instructor in the winter and I had a couple, I had a sailing instructor who, after he graduated from college, he was like, he was like, I'm going to go to Colorado and I'm going to do it for one winter. And he ended up doing it for years and just yes. like loved it. And he also has blonde curly hair. So oh, I was like, perfect. Oh, I can perfectly picture this kind of guy who's so good with people, but you live in Toronto. And so you got to show us a little bit of Toronto in this book since we yes. were spending time in the it's Muskoka is that how you say Muskoka it? is the cottage region yeah, yeah so Muskoka. um yeah so the book um in the past it's set in Toronto and in the present day it's set at this resort in Muskoka and Muskoka is um the kind of most populated most popular cottage country it's just north of Toronto it's not a super far drive it has um doesn't Percy's dad say that he doesn't want to go there because it was too popular <laughs> Yes, Percy's dad makes a dig at Muskoka in every summer <laughs> after. And so when I was, I, I knew I wanted to write um, this kind of classic resort, kind of like a dirty dancing style mm-hmm. resort. Or if you watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, there's a season where a few episodes are at this, it's like that resort. Yeah, in the Catskills. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, I knew I wanted to write that. And I was like, you know what? I should set it in Muskoka because I took a little, little dig at Muskoka. <laughs> and, al- and also just because there are, there, there were these resorts that were built in the, you know, late 1800s, um, early 1900s in that area that were massively popular with the dancing and, mm-hmm. and Clark, Clark Gable did indeed visit. And um, it was like a real time. And I wanted to kind of show um that style of resort how it's kind of evolved over time and it's like present day struggles but yes Muskoka is like very very fancy um City Crawford cottages up there yeah Um, there's a girl I follow on TikTok who is British but her boyfriend is from Toronto and they do like a two-week trip with his family and she was like I've been to Dior I've been to Versace I was like in the cottage country (laughs) like I didn't realize it was so bougie there the resort is in Eastern Muskoka, which is a little more low key. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be really specific. So yeah, so that's the cottage country um, setting, whereas Barry's Bay and every summer after is quite a bit further from Toronto. Um, and then I loved writing Toronto. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the city, especially the Toronto of 10 years ago. It was a really fun time to be mm-hmm. in your 20s um, here. And I was at the time um, like t- you know, around that time, 10 years ago, I was working at uh, this new kind of weekly city publication that was aimed at young people. And it just felt like the city was exploding. And like Fern, I went to university here and like Fern didn't really get to know the city until um, 
at, like later. And that's, you know, something she's she's kind of preparing in the past to go back home and work at the resort and and realizing that she really has <laughs> kind of not made the most of her time be, because she's been working, she's been studying and she's really starting to um, feel like she, you know, not so happy about going back to yeah. the resort. That was something I could so relate to. And also that feeling of like having two homes because I lived in New York City for a really long time and we we were just back uh, a week ago and I immediately, like you get off the train and it just all comes back. Like I know exactly where North, South, East, West is. (laughs) Like I don't have to look anywhere and it all just like comes back into your bones. Um, but then I also love like being out in nature and I love being on the lake and yeah. um, it's, it's hard when you can't find a place that like marries those two needs yes. and yes. feeling like, I always feel like there in the city, there's this sense of like, there's never enough time. And that sense of like urgency and desperation is like really evident in Fern's character. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to her especially transitioning from because she's 32 in the book and just you know um, I turned 30 this year so like that transition from like the fun of your 20s and everybody says it ends but that's not necessarily true no 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 the fun does not end um, (laughs) for sure I'm in my late 30s but the yeah your 30s is this it's, it's, it is different than your twenties and, and your career, you start like thinking about your career in a, in a different way and really examining, I think, whether you've put yourself on the path you want to be on, what is the path I want to be on? There's, I think there's a lot of questioning. I mean, there's questioning at all stages, but there's kind of this, I think so many, so many of us work so hard in our twenties. Like I, this is like mm-hmm. true for me. We work so, so hard to get somewhere and build something. And then you come to a, a part where it's like, is, is, is this thing that I've built the thing that I want? And um, it takes like this big event in Fern's life to kind of really um, interrogate that. Right. I think that kind of transitions well to you. The, I, Feels so strange. I think my favorite part is the acknowledgments. I love how you let us in to your heart within this book. I mean, obviously, like, you know, your books are fiction and they take place in real places that are special to you, but they're not your story. So I think just getting, you know, a little bit of a peek into your your mind and your heart through writing your second book was so special. So don't skip the acknowledgments. Read all of them. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Thank you. Thank you. So you mentioned that this book was entirely different of a process than every mm-hmm. summer after. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you combat like feelings of like imposter syndrome? Or, you know, just like ready to like throw in the towel. I just kept pushing through. So um, for people who don't know my story, I wrote Every Summer After in the summer of 2020. I wrote it. Um, I I'd always wanted, wanted to write a book. I didn't think I would be able, you know, I just didn't think I'd ever do it. And then I decided one day that, you know, I was really frustrated at work. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a book in my spare time. <laughs> which I had very little because I was a parent and I had a big job um, and I'm going to finish it by the end of the year. And I, I wrote every single day early in the morning and the book came together in like four months. Um, it flowed through me. I, like it did feel like magic. Like mm-hmm. it just, 
felt like I was doing what I was meant to be doing. I was like a conduit for this story. It just was so joyful and special. And then when I went to write Meet Me at the Lake, um, I had had my second child. It was very shortly after he was born. Um, mental health, not great. Uh, feeling a lot of, now I had like an editor. I had a contract. I had a team. You had, you, had, you had a two book deal, right? I did. So yeah. you wrote this before the like before every summer after became the it book of the summer (laughs) (laughs) I wrote I had two drafts completed by the time every summer after came came out so I was quite far into the process with this book um and thank goodness for that but I just every I remember when I started writing it I like actually went through the notebook I kept while I wrote every summer after to try to figure out like how did I write a book how did I how how did I possibly (laughs) do that because it just felt so effortless effortless and it was work but it just it just I, and I I really didn't think I could do it again it felt like a fluke and I every single day I sat down at my computer I spent at least an hour telling myself you can't do this the first book was a fluke you're bad at this <laughs> uh the story sucks what is like it was and I I'm not exaggerating I'm not exaggerating that's what it was and I just sat there and kept typing while that was going through my head and eventually it got quieter and I would just continue I would that would those voices would kind of go away and I would write like I had a word count goal I'd meet my word count goal and I just pushed I pushed forward and it was really hard it was really hard that first draft and then like of course I edited a bajillion times before I submitted it to my editor and then her editing note came back so we edited every summer after in two weeks um (laughs) and meet me at the lake was just so months and months and months of edits um and the first edit note was like super long I felt like I was gonna vomit like I was like oh I did a really bad job um there's a lot of devices happening in this book (laughs) like between the two timelines and then there's some diary entries that we get to meet later on so I mean you challenged yourself for sure (laughs) yeah and I you know what I ended up throwing out half the book for my second draft and rewriting half the book from scratch and that um was the most fun I had like after, like, oh. I was like, okay, I've fallen flat on my face, which is not true at all. That is like, I now know that's just kind of how, how it goes sometimes. That's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> it's, like, it's, just, it's just, you know, writing a book is difficult and you have, you, you sometimes your drafts require a ton of work. And, um, I, I after I, I was like, okay, I've, I've, I'm just going to have fun. Like I just had fun for the second draft and it, it became a lot. It was still so much work, but it became a lot after that first draft, I got over that first draft. It became much, I, I had a lot, was kinder to myself. I think the one thing I've learned from talking to so many authors through these interviews is that every single book is different, no matter how many yes. you write. So like people always want to talk about process and like, what yes. do you like to, like, how do you prepare? And it, it de- I, I, what I have gathered is that it depends on the story and some stories are just harder but that doesn't mean they're not worth telling yeah and some things don't become evident about a story like to yourself to your editors until like you're further into them and it's like mm-hmm. oh that and it's really all about helping 
the story become like like really tell the story you wanted to tell from the beginning and trying to figure out the best path for getting to get there but it is so annoying that you can't just like crack a code to, like I remember <laughs> yeah. I remember when um I got that edit back for Mimi at the Lake I was like oh okay I've learned so much from this experience I'll never make these mistakes again the next book is going to be a breeze and <laughs> that's not true <laughs> Well, I, that makes me feel better because every time I sit down, I'm like, why is it so hard? <laughs> and that just, writing a book is difficult. So congratulations on finishing Thank two. You. Well, I guess technically three, but I know you can't talk about it I'm yet. working on it. Yeah, I'm working on the <laughs> on three. But we'll stick with, with your second book. So talking about wanting to tell this story, where did the kernel from this idea come from? The, um, I have found the thing that I always think of first is setting. And mm-hmm. I, um, I was really struggling with, with nailing down what exactly I wanted to do for my second book, because it happened, it happened so fast. Um, the, my publishing journey and I like, it, it was like, I have just completed a book and now I'm going to write a second book. Like what, like what, what is this life? How, what? And I, um, I had insomnia, both during my pregnancy and after my son was born and I was just lying awake in the middle of the night. And I was like, okay, let's start, like start from scratch on the idea. Like, where do you want to be when you write this book? Mm. Because what I loved about writing and writing every summer after and every summer after is based very much on my childhood and teenage years is that I was like transported back to those summers and those feelings and those um, my time at the lake. And I was like, well, where do I want to put myself now? And I saw the resort just like that. It was Mm -hmm. immediate. I was like, I want to be at this, um, classic resort on the water. I want to like, I, you know what, I want to go to a lake again. Like that is just like, I need comfort. Like I need to somewhere to feel comforted. And that's where I wanted to be. And, and then, um, right away, like the same night I saw Fern as someone who had returned home to this place, a place she um, has a lot of mixed feelings about, um, a place she definitely did not want to run. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with parents who uh, owned a restaurant and an inn. We didn't live on the property, but I I know what it's like to grow up kind of like surrounded in the hospitality business. And um I, so I saw Fern and then I also, that same night I was like, I, I, I had been thinking a lot about diaries because I had like, as you know, I had read my teenage journals before I wrote every summer after I still had diaries on, on the mind. And I thought, you know, I really think it would be cool to tell a mother daughter story through like this series of diary entries that Fern reads um, and that they would they're, you know, they would seem to tell of her mother's own summer romance, but actually the story that they're telling is a mother's love for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, that that would be like kind of the B story of the book. And so all of that kind of came to me in a night. And then it was figuring out um, who is Fern's person? Like who is the right man for Fern? And um what is, what does that love story look like? And I really, what I wanted to do is challenge myself to do the opposite thing that I had done with every summer after. Mm. So every summer after the, the characters, Percy and Sam fall in love 
they meet when they're 13 and they become best friends and they fall in love. They get to know each other so well, their love grows over years. And I, I was like, can I build an intense bond between two people in 24 hours? Something like this. And is, is that believable that you would have this connection with somebody that really felt so meaningful and, um, that person has always kind of stuck in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to kind of, and I love playing with, with time in that way. So it was kind of a challenge in that way. Yeah. And getting to see the differences between them. And obviously I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it yet, but when we discover the reason why Will doesn't show up that day, nine years from the present timeline, I could relate to that so hard. And I think that a lot of people will find um, comfort in someone admitting that thought out loud because it feels like it's, you know, that's a hard thing to admit. And I also, I'm going to warn you, people are going to want Peter and Maggie. I want the resort (laughs) in the eighties and I want that story. Like, I have heard that. Desperately. I have heard that already. <laughs> I think it would be so fun. And with like the roses in there, like oh, prime. I, love the roses. Yes. I, I worked at a, cause I'm an actor. So I worked at a resort in New Hampshire and it was like, um, it was so dirty dancing. It was so oh like, goodness. we got to stay in this like fabulous lodge and we all, we had like bunk beds and it was like all the girls in one room and all and, like being the performers, yes. like it was very fun and nostalgic for me to uh to think about that we need, I, I think we should bring back that that summer lifestyle we yes, need a piece of Europe everybody needs to take a long holiday yes and, um go to a resort in the mountains yes <laughs> and I it's funny like I really love Peter and Maggie and I wrote um so there's just like tiny snippets of Maggie's journal mm-hmm. in, in the book, not very much, but I wrote like, I don't know, 12,000 words of diary entries. I wrote the entire summer that, um, uh, where the diary is from. It's like the summer of 1990. And because I really, content. To, <laughs> I just really wanted to understand, I didn't know what I wanted to use first of all. And I really wanted mm-hmm. to understand um, Maggie. I, I wanted to understand Peter. I wanted to under, uh, understand that whole story. Um, and yeah, so, and I, I, there's just like little, little teeny, 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 tiny snippets in the book. Yes. I just feel like he's, <laughs> there's oh. this like thing going around on TikTok right now of like the soft boy and like how much mm. you love. And so I'm like, oh, Peter's got soft boy energy in the he best does. way. Uh, yes. But so so does Will. I think when we, we meet Will in the um, the then timeline, he's like you said, he's uh, he's an artist. He's very sure of himself. He's got yeah. these big dreams, and then he's a little bit more practical. I would say, yeah. Um, yeah. But they still have that like intense uh, connection. Yes. Yeah. Will has really. Um, I think for, you know, for personal reasons, um, kind of shut himself. (laughs) He's kind of put himself into this like box of being a really, um, responsible adult who has a good job and, uh, owns a home and, um, kind of keeps his heart tucked away and is, and, um, is maybe not really is like proud of what he's done, but isn't necessarily happy. Mm. And, um, I think 
he um like I love him so much like I I I, I loved him like he also has tattoos so if that's a selling yes. point for anybody I was like oh <laughs> yeah he's kind of like rep- he's kind of buried this the young version of himself and mm-hmm. he it's kind of bubbling up for him again this like this this his artistic side when um you know being at the resort being around Fern he's like kind of you know you know starting to think about the the him that he left behind yeah have you ever watched the show younger with Sutton Foster yes yes not the not the newest season I just so I hadn't finished it and I just recently finished the last one but I couldn't help but picture Will as like in between of Josh and Charles oh my (laughs) goodness but like because I yeah like if Josh had like grown up and like given up the tattoo shop that's yes. how I picture well <laughs> I like it I'm into it um all right so couple couple rapid fire questions I suppose okay. what is on your summer reading list oh um give me backlist or new releases I just always like to know what I'm, if I'm you turning... like it I feel like I'll like it <laughs> Well, because I'm just looking at my, I have this like stack of books behind me that I haven't read and on it is um, Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute by Talia Hibbert. Um, I love Talia Hibbert. And then um, Really Good Actually by Monica Heisey, which is about, um, supposed to be amazing. It's about, uh, I think, a a 29-year-old woman um, who is divorced, is like a big mess after her divorce. Um, And... Uh, I've got Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson here and Stars in Italian Sky by Jill Santopolo. Um, so those are ones that I haven't read yet, but, um, what have I, do you know what I loved, um, that's coming out this summer is Same Time Next Summer by Annabelle Monahan. Oh my gosh. I read that. Um, and I literally, I was like, if you liked every summer after, like you will love yes, this book. Yes. Yes, and it, yes. um, it's set on Long Island, but like not in the Hamptons, which yeah. is like a very refreshing setting. Um, but that's yeah. a really good one. I like that one. I really um, like Ashley Poston's next book, which is called The Seven Year Slip. Oh, I haven't um, heard of that one yet. So she wrote Dead Romantics, The Dead yes. Romantics, which is loved it. The Seven Year Slip is about um, a, this two people who meet um unexpectedly in, a, in, a, in an apartment that is uh this is, this is hard to explain I would love to hear Ashley explain her own book where um the apartment slips you um back or forward in time seven years so they meet oh. seven years out of sync um in this apartment oh, and cool. it is so cool and Ashley like I'm just getting chills chills uh talking about it because I think Ashley brings something with her world and her descriptions that is really different it's very like magical and but cozy and Mm -hmm. I just I love her writing so and then the other another the last one then I'll be quiet is um, a book called Sunshine Nails which is a debut coming out I think it's the beginning of June uh, or July um, by an author named Mai Nguyen and it is about um, a family who runs a, a mom and pop nail salon and, um, they're struggling and, uh, it, 
<laughs> it's about their like questionable, like morally questionable mm. tactics for keeping their salon open after like the Starbucks of nails opens across the street. And oh. it's told um, from the perspective of five characters. So there are the two um, parents who are immigrants from Vietnam. They're two adult millennial children who are um, <laughs> like failing to launch in some ways and trying to help out the business. And then a cousin who is um, who is working at the salon from Vietnam and has come come over. And it's it is so fun. And the writing is so incredible. I got, I'm not an annotator and I got out my pen on page three to start underlining. Mm -hmm. And um, it is about like betrayal and gentrification and like subtle racism and family dynamics. And there's like little love stories. It is, and marriage, it is so good. It is so, so good. Well, I will definitely to make sure that we have all of those uh, listed in our show notes because that sounds fantastic. Um, Thank you for sharing those with us. Um, All right little bit of a thinker, I suppose, but if you had to transplant Will and Fern to Barry's Bay and then Sam yeah. and Percy to the Brookbanks Resort, yeah. how do you think they'd fare? Um, oh, well, Sam and, or, or Sam and Percy would be fine at the resort because they, like Sam has restaurant. Yeah. They both have <laughs> restaurant experience and um, they, I think, would just be delighted there. Um, okay, if we're putting Will and Fern in Barry's Bay, I mean, it would be a bit of a far commute for Will. He's <laughs> 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 working in the city. Um, I think I think it's a little far for both from for both of them from the city. Although Percy and Sam like do not live full time in in Barry's Bay, but yeah. I think. Um, I think Fern might need a little bit more action. Do you think they'd be friends as adults? Um, I think Sam and Will would definitely get on. Um, Percy and Fern, you know, I think they would eventually. I think Fern's a tough nut to crack. Um, yeah, so I maybe so. it would take some time, but I think they would. I think Delilah and Whitney would be trouble. big trouble, but, but the, yes. like the six of them were all together. I could definitely see the guys like hanging out um, or the eight oh, yeah. of them. Yeah. I can too. Yeah. Be a fun little dinner party. Um, what hosted yes. at the roses, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I was like, um, I've like thought of different ways where you could kind of like, Oh, easy ways where you could kind of connect the characters and like no no other other authors do this beautifully I'm not I'm not going to play this game well everybody loves to spend the summer by the lake so they would all have (laughs) at least one thing in common um all right so Fern this will be my my final little rapid fire questions for you Fern is working at a coffee shop and it's like sort of like a big deal in in Toronto a great name as well filter with no e uh, yeah. great name for a coffee shop. So a couple coffee questions. Are you a coffee yes. person? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so cold brew or iced coffee? Cold brew. Latte or flat white? Neither. Neither. I, okay. If I, if I had to, I would do a flat white with oat milk. Okay. Milk and I don't get along. Yeah. Flat white. If you had to, 
Yeah. So then cappuccino or mocha? Cappuccino. Okay. And um, if you had to pick a seasonal drink, so either winter or summer seasonal drink, what would you choose? What's a seasonal drink? Like a, like, so like with- a gingerbread latte oh, nothing, or nothing. No, not of really no flavoring, no flavoring. I don't take sugar in my drinks. Okay. So I you don't... drink coffee like Fern. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, once I cut out sugar from my coffee, I can't go back. Like mm-hmm. I, it, I don't enjoy it anymore. So the seasonal drinks aren't for me. I, I know. love a gingerbread latte. Yeah, I always, I always kind of wish that I love these things, but I see pe- people get so excited when, like, the pumpkin drinks come out or the candy cane drinks come out, and I, I'm just, I don't have that. Oh, excitement. a peppermint mocha is my like greatest weakness. Yeah, I would run screaming from it. <laughs> that's so funny, and I love that. That's a little piece of you that we get in Fern because <laughs> yes. Will takes his coffee with three sugars. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. He's like a like major, major into the sugar. It's I, we used to have this customer at um, the restaurant who the roses are an, an amalgamation of like three elderly couples who were, um, uh, you know, customers at the restaurant and at the inn, um, one of whom made unreal martinis. And a, another one I gave his like trait to Will, which was just this, he drank, he grew up on a sugar plantation. And he drank so much sugar with his coffee that instead of giving him like the little packets, my mom would just like give him a bowl of sugar because it would be like eight heaping spoons of the sugar into his coffee. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm not going to give Will that much of a sugar problem, but I would like to give him a very, very sweet tooth. Well, I loved the roses. They felt very um, familiar as like my my parents like hosted a bunch like they like a really great group of friends and I was yeah. like oh this feels very much like you know cocktail yes. parties in the summertime a ball <laughs> yes oh yes. yes it's so wonderful though but those are like the little details that I think make people fall so hard in love with the worlds that you create I know you can't talk about the three is there anything you can tell us what can I tell you um so it is summary. It is a romance. Love it. <laughs> that's like not helping you out at all. But that's but... honestly, that's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I have had so much fun writing it. And I kept um, like this book. And if you read the acknowledgments, you read my like behind the book essay, you will, you will understand what I, why I say it was a, it was heavy. Like when I reflected back on writing the book, I was like, wow, I don't like there is heaviness in the book. There is a lot of light and fun in the book too. And mm-hmm. you like have your happy ending and you will, I think, feel like good about the world and people. But like for me personally, it was so, so much heaviness, like mm. to, to pull through with it. And um, I just kept saying to my agent and my editor, I want to have fun. I want to have fun. And I really like somehow manifested that for the, like the, the writing. And it is like so, so much work still, but, um, it's so fun. Like it, I just, I'm so excited about it. And I can't, like, I'm, I cannot, I'm dying to share. More is it, is it, it a new trope that we haven't seen before? Yes. Okay. That's yeah, exciting. I think so. I think so. You know, I like, I'm like, what will be the assigned trope to, cause my editor with um, Mimi at the lake. I was like, well, what is the trope? She's like, it's a second chance romance. I'm like, but is it? She's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I would say second chance romance, chance encounter, 
And then not Insta love, but I classify it as Insta attraction, which is very different. Yes. Yeah. Because... No, it's not Insta love, um, but it's like that Insta like connection. I yeah. Think, which... And then I would say it's almost like grumpy, grumpy because <laughs> yes, they both are a little, um, yeah. they're like you said, friends, a tough They have nut, hard shells. But... Yeah. Yeah. But they're, yeah, they're, um, oh gosh, what am I thinking of? like a Cadbury egg. They're hard on the outside, yes, but they're nice yes. and soft and sweet once you get to know them in the middle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think, um, I'm just like looking at my notebook. I think this one, um, has a new set of tropes. I, I think so. Yeah. Can't wait. So yeah. excited. Harley, <laughs> I'm always excited to talk to you. I'm always excited to see what you are doing next and you know petition for more lake reads we've got plenty of books that are set at like a true beach but more <laughs> magic in the mountains of a lake so we can't <laughs> wait to see what you do next do you have any final thoughts for our listeners um no I just I hope that you I love Will and Fern so much I feel like so protective of them mm. and um it feels like uh, you know, the first time around, you don't know what it's like to kind of ha like hand your book and your characters over to the world. So I, I hope you love them like I do. <laughs> well, I loved them. So <laughs> if that's all that happens, I'll be the loudest one. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Carly. Meet Me at the Lake is out everywhere May 2nd. This is going up May 3rd. So okay. as you're listening, you can go and get yourself a copy in hardcover and paperback. Yeah, so it's um they there are a few hardcovers. Um, we wanted to put hardcovers out there specifically for libraries. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had that kind of sturdier option. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I love a displayed hardcover. So yeah, beautiful. Can't wait. Thank you so much for joining me, Carly. Thank you for having me. Meet Me at the Lake is available now wherever you get your books, and I hope you enjoy it this summer. If you plan on reading it, let me know. Stop by today's Instagram post so you can let us know your thoughts on this episode and one of our first author interviews of 2023. Me next week so we can continue our series on audiobooks and keep fawning over our favorite fictional characters. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.